At Redeemer, as we continue growing in our understanding of our own story, we are gathering and sharing the stories of the people in this place. With our podcast, Interrupting Grace, Living Into the Way of Love, we will share these stories. The stories of grace in action, the stories of love in the world, the stories of living the way of love. How are you the Interrupting Grace? The Way of Love at Home series is part of our Interrupting Grace podcast. In this series, Philip Duvall and I will discuss Life Transformed, the Way of Love in Lent. In this episode, we look at the Way of Love practice learn. By reading and reflecting on scripture, especially the life and teachings of Jesus, we draw near to God and God's word dwells in us. When we open our minds and hearts to scripture, we learn to see God's story and God's activity in everyday life. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Does not wisdom call, and does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal she cries out, To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all that live. O simple ones, Learn prudence, acquire intelligence, you who lack it. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth, wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous, there is nothing twisted or crooked in them. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, endowing with wealth those who love me and filling their treasuries. You that are simple, turn in here. To those without sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Lay aside immaturity and live and walk in the way of insight. As mentioned in the previous episodes, Lent has always been the traditional time of study and growth for those who seek to follow Jesus' way and learn his life and teachings. As Christians, we are invited to continue to grow in our knowledge and love of God. Remember, Episcopal tradition holds that we never really arrive in our journey with God. This passage from the book of Proverbs echoes the blessing we pray over every newly baptized Christian that the person might have an inquiring and discerning heart. In this passage, wisdom is personified as a woman crying out for people at the crossroads of the city to hear the gift of life she offers. In the Bible, wisdom is an active and powerful force present even at the beginning of the world. She does not want anyone to be left without knowledge of God and refuses tonight to deny God's love to anyone who is willing to learn. However, gaining wisdom is not simply studying a book or memorizing a few facts. Wisdom goes beyond mere knowledge into action. We cannot be considered wise if we do not act in accordance with what we have learned. 
Wisdom demands integrity. Wisdom calls us to lay aside immaturity and live and walk in the way of insight. The baptismal blessing over the water notes that the Holy Spirit moved over the water at creation. Wisdom is often equated with the Holy Spirit herself. In other words, every part of this earth is created with some element of the powerful gift of wisdom. One method for us to practice learning is to sit at the feet of Jesus, our great teacher in wisdom, and learn his way through regular meditation on scriptures. Through him, we can access the wisdom that fills all of creation and already lives in each one of us. What's the, um, what's the, uh, Hebrew word for breath? I can't. Ruach. Yeah. Which is breath and spirit and wind are all the same word. So whenever you see one of those words, and strangely, it's the same in Greek, okay. uh, the word in Greek, panuma. Okay. Where we get like pneumatology and things mm -hmm. like that, um, uh, is, can be used for breath, spirit, or wind as well. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. What made you think of that? Uh, just because of this language of um, even like uh, where was it? I don't know. This idea of wisdom is in all creation. Where was this? I can't see it. Oh, the baptismal blessing. The Holy Spirit moved over the waters of, at creation. Wisdom is often equated with the Holy Spirit herself. I think that's where I was thinking. Of, yeah, yeah. Right? <clears throat> it's really interesting. People don't know what to do with this personified wisdom. And there's a place in the Deuterocanonical works where it does that too, personifies wisdom. And sometimes it's equated with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people equate it with Jesus, mm. um, which is to say we don't know. Right. Um, um I remember in a book I read where the all of the Trinity were personified that wisdom was actually treated as an an an, an other being that was none of those, but but at any rate at any rate the idea of personifying wisdom and then connecting, but I'm interested also in like the connecting of wisdom, to our scriptures. Yeah, the idea of cultivating wisdom rather than reading the Bible so you can be the right kind of person or follow the rules because wisdom as I've experienced it from others and when I've seen wisdom or seen something be called wise is oftentimes the ability to make an important and so to speak the right call, but in a way that doesn't necessarily follow directly the guidelines or the right call as lived in the moment. You don't just go here are the categories. Uh, it says, that you did this thing and that means that it's this and here's the equation, so here's the answer. Wisdom requires something more. Yeah. So the idea of our scriptures as being something mm. that is meant to cultivate wisdom mm. um, means that, it, that our interaction with scriptures has the capacity to create in each of us a spirit of discernment that goes beyond a simple understanding of right and wrong, but allows us to navigate complexity yeah. with, with principle, but also with a little bit of flexibility. Wisdom is flexible. There's you just saying that I, I um, um, thinking about people that I've described ha as wise or having wisdom or people that we go to, right. To, um, 
to seek answers in some way. There's there's like an experience. They have they have experience in their life, and to then equate this to um, why are we sitting at the feet of Jesus? Mm. And 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 then looking at scripture as kind of this this book of experience that mm. um, that we take take the wisdom we take we learn we learn from essentially. Just that idea of of putting us at Jesus' feet, and and I don't want to equate the Bible with Jesus because some people will do that mistakenly or call the Bible God. I want to be careful with that, but in the spirit of like, the disciples didn't just listen; they interacted. They mm -hmm. did listen. And sitting at one's feet is in is in the implication there is that you're learning. So you have something to learn from that authority. But the process, the the, the discipleship process in that sense, on a practical level, was was had a mutual aspect and had a had a a dialogical, there's a dialogical reality. It's not just listening and doing, it is interacting with and asking questions and pushing back and wondering. So if we like to have that kind of relationship with scriptures, um, it all requires a livening up. Like it all, you, you've got to, you don't get to just listen and then go, got it and move on. And like, I know so many of us, like there's this deep temptation to just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Or like, but the, but the actual, like, but life requires engagement. Right. You know, right. real like 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 a, a wholeness, a whole, a holistic engagement, mind, body, heart, all in, and that requires. Therefore, you know, I remember a teacher of mine. Um, you you met her, um, or Kate Sondrager. She came to to mm -hmm. talk. Mm -hmm. She's a theology teacher who's a priest. She has she has a parish where she helps out, but I mean, her primary vocation is 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 as a professor and writer, and. You know, she says, you know, what is what is theology, uh, but 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 a response to Jesus when Jesus says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind." She said, "What does it look like to love God with your whole mind?" Hmm. Well, we use it. We got to work it out. Like we got like we use the 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 power of our minds to really seek to devote ourselves to the cause of who God is in our lives and and therefore who we are. Um, and that's just, again, it's just so different from here's the list of stuff to do. Yeah. Like even the list of things to believe, even like in, in what we've done with the way of love, we, we hear learn. And I immediately think of sit down, read, kind of talk about the scripture. Um, what, what is, what is, what is it saying to me? All this kind of stuff. But to really think that, like this wisdom, this receiving, I don't know if receiving wisdom is the right language, but um, thinking that like here, in other words, every part of this 
earth is created with some element of the powerful gift of wisdom Mm. that there is the possibility and the, the capability to, to learn, to, to receive wisdom from all things. Right, right. Because if all things are made by God, then wisdom, then there's place for. But and but yeah, and 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 then let's go a step further, right? Which is, and this is crazy. Like, um, that that you your this no one wants to think like this. What I'm about to say, because it's too good to be true. Right. It's too good to be true. Um, um, your existence is an expression of God's wisdom. Who people like that can't be. Because be, which because either people think that means that I'm saying all people are like perfect. Let me go on the record as saying I don't believe that. <laughs> or or that somehow um, I don't know that it's like underlying undermining the reality of what we do wrong or that we're that we you know. But there's also we have an addiction to believing that people are terrible. Yeah. Which by the way is a really a really has to do with our addiction to thinking there's something wrong with us. Hmm. And. And there are plenty of things that are wrong with me, right? Mm-hmm. I want, I want to, but you know, um, the most, the most oft quoted uh, person in Episcopal pulpits right now, uh, Brene Brown. Um, I, I will quote from her too. She talks about the difference between guilt and shame, which is like guilt is I did something wrong, and shame is I am something wrong. Mm. Guilt is I made a mistake. Shame is I am a mistake. And, and guilt, acknowledgement of guilt is healthy. Acknowledgement, uh, but but a living into shame is not, right? So I want to say like, of course we are guilty of things. We do things that are wrong. It is evil. And I mean, and I'm using evil as literally, mm-hmm. but also as an external force that's working on you. Imagine mm-hmm. something that's outside of you that is trying to do something to you. That it is evil working on you that tells you that because you did something wrong, you are something wrong. Because you made a mistake, you are a mistake, and you are unlovable. And if God loves you, which is a big if, it's only because of God's got big blind spot for all of your ridiculous awfulness or something. If it's possible that you are not only an instrument of God's love and peace, but even a carrier and a, and a living embodiment of God's wisdom. And so is the person right next to you. And so is your pup. And, and so, and so is this creation that carried within creation is the capacity for us to receive some kind of wisdom, which as we've said is, is more than just um, an understanding of the rules but like a deeper understanding of all that God's doing in the world. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a game changer. The, the thing I, I keep, that keeps coming to my mind when you're saying this is that <clears throat> we're also used to also hearing the language of, you know, God is love. And so that you yourself are love and, um, and so I'm trying to like differentiate in my head, what is the difference there? Right. Right. And so looking here, wisdom calls us to lay aside immaturity and live and walk in the way of insight. Hmm. Is wisdom 
calls us to lay aside immaturity and walk in the way of love and insight. And live and walk in the way of insight. Live and walk in the way of insight. It's interesting to think about immaturity and insight as sort of opposites. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Right? Immaturity is just like a lack of vision almost. Yeah. And, and inability to see it for what it is. Yeah. And, and kind of, and I'm, I'm kind of able to piece together what I said earlier about like we think of people with wisdom as having experience. These people have insight because of experience. Um, and, but, but also they're not the only ones, right? Like that, that's, that's how we understand wisdom. Like mm-hmm. we, we use those with wisdom to make decisions. We use those to, with wisdom to, to how to live our lives. Um, and I mean, you could say that that could be, be, uh, uh, um, something to look to. Um, but for just any old person yeah, to walk in the way of insight, laying aside the immaturity yeah, I don't. I don't know what lies in there. Mm. Um, mm. Hmm. What's your relationship like with the Bible? What's my relationship? Uh, it. it I mean, not that much. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I. I mean, I have my uh, my black uh, student Bible over there somewhere yeah. from when I was, you know, in high school. I mean, you're but, pretty steeped in Episcopal worship. And Episcopal worship is genuinely chock full of biblical uh, references and biblical Mm -hmm. imagery and theology. So, so I I would so you can't say it's not much because you got that going for you. But (laughs) but I want to hear what you're saying here. So so how do you understand that? So that's interesting. I mean, to think about um, uh, to that point, I, I guess the the (laughs) it's so interesting you ask me that and i have this response of bible study right i have this response of like studying the bible and that is literally not what we're talking about like and and i literally just fell into that i I, I mean yeah and i mean you you lobbed it (laughs) and i well and i mean i love bible study and i do think bible study matters so i i mean it's i i i can fall into i'm a big bible nerd in that sense so you know that but but yeah, I mean, you, I didn't, I didn't know what you would say, actually. Yeah. You and I haven't talked about it a lot, but, but there is that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very, that's, I mean, again, we're just changing the narrative of how we understand. Um, I mean, that, again, that doesn't discount or say that it shouldn't happen, right? Like we shouldn't sit down and look at scripture, um, but how does it, what does it look like to live with scripture? and learn from scripture and yeah. learn scripture then like be taught. Yeah. And I, I mean, if I had a choice between hanging out with a bunch of people who knew the Bible back and forth and a bunch of people who were kind to one another, I would choose the kind people every time. I'd like to think those two things go together, Yeah, but I've been around enough Christians to know that's not true. Um, so I believe in biblical literacy deeply and I seek to be a biblically literate person. And I, as you know, being a part of this church, I've, I've sought to sort of 
enhance the biblical literacy of the congregation in ways that I'm able, but I'm also like, I want you to know that I want you to believe in Jesus and know that Jesus is working in your life. And that's if, if, if interaction with scriptures helps you with that, I think it will, but I'm saying if that's the main thing, if that's a way to do it, great. Um, if you are finding ways to do that and you, and again, I would say you are interacting with scriptures because of your worship experience. Right. Right. But, I, but, I, but I don't know that individual Bible study is everybody's bag, nor does it need to be. Mm. Um, the first, you know, primarily the first 1500 or so years of Christianity, um, there were no people reading the Bible on their own other, other than monks, I mean, other than monks and, and, and uh, clergy. Right. Monks, nuns and clergy and everybody else was, it was read aloud in worship settings. The wisdom there is the expectation that, that even, you know, that, that the learning of scripture needs to be community oriented. Yeah. That it actually isn't about your personal dot, dot, dot. It is about our shared experience of God and how it might be guided. I believe in personal reading of the Bible and blah, 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 and personal prayer, but there is this weird that we've been, you and I have been grown up in a culture that privileges personal private Bible study as the right way and yeah. biblical literacy, meaning like knowing all the books of the Bible and in what order and having Bible verses memorized. That's, that's privileged over um, loving your neighbor as yourself. Right. Yeah, and I think scripture has been uh, – it, it's just been used in such a way um, against people too. So I think that, yes. that um, this kind of this, – this understanding of um, learning and instead of, again, that, that – uh, being taught the right way. Yeah. It's almost what are you be what are you receiving rather than what are you looking for? Like mm -hmm. so often society and is saying that go to the Bible and you will find this thing. You mm -hmm. go to the Bible and you will find this is what it says. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about that? People will ask me. Right, right. You're 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 a pastor. What does the Bible say about dot dot dot? As yeah. if it's like a reference book. And some Bibles actually have references in the back like that. Mm. Right? And then thinking about, uh, I was just editing our, our prayer conversation, but also thinking that like we could, I, I feel the same, um, like what, what do you receive from this? Like prayer, God, as you said, God is there. Mm. It's It's almost acknowledging. So like the scripture is there. The wisdom is there. I'm kind of, I'm getting it kind of really close with, with looking for something, but how do you let it come to you instead of going to it? Yeah. I don't know. Well, I think being part of a community, a Christian community, a church is a part of that because you go to it to some degree, but then you let it sort of happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, 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 you have to make that action right. There has to be some sort of action on your part to take that step. Right. That's right. 
Hmm. Um, I'm going to read one of these questions. Yeah. In what ways has the Holy Spirit been calling out to you to learn more about her and her wise ways? And then let's throw this one out there. Uh, this is interesting. I don't, what aspects of God would you like to learn more about? Grace, peace, prophecy. Um, where in your life are you truly wise? How do you share that wisdom? Well, I could talk about the Holy Spirit calling me out, uh, or calling me in, whatever we want to say, (laughs) um, uh, calling me home. I am feeling a deep yearning for a, for a more for a more engaged and devoted prayer life. And I know that she is present in that. I'm working again for the first time in a while with a spiritual director who's helping me with my prayer life. I have found myself seeking opportunities to pray in different ways than I had before. It's very difficult when you are in my line of work to approach this with any kind of sort of innocence, if that's like, because mm-hmm. because there's so much expectation built into being clergy, what the expectation would be about how much I pray. So there's a big sort of like, it's like you can't, I was thinking today, I can't just go for a run. I have to like be on a program. I can't just like try to eat right. I have to be on something. And likewise, I feel this sort of like, but what does my prayer life look like? And what does my reading of scriptures mm-hmm. look like? But what I feel the Holy Spirit sort of doing is saying, almost like, Phil, I know you feel that way. And I know it's a hindrance. Nevertheless, I'm calling you. Mm. Like, I, I get it. And also... Be near me. Be 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 here. Come on. And I'm like, well, but I gotta worry about. And then there's I. What if I? Did? And not even like no no no. Not shushing me. Like yes. I understand you feel all those things. Now come. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still very resistant to her. I'm very resistant to the Holy Spirit. Um. I am way up in my head, but I'm, um, I'm getting closer to surrendering every day <laughs> Yeah, and I kind of see the inevitability of it. Right. I think, um, this is going to sound like way too meta and self-aware and I already sound self-aware too much, but this is like next level self-awareness. Like, because I believe I'm going to be at this church for a while. Like, I think that the, the, I think those who are here at the beginning of my time and those who are here when I'm, when I leave, however long that is, like, I'm going to be a different priest and a different person when I leave than when I got here. And I don't fully understand all that. I'm not like speak, but, but I can, I can feel the changes. Mm. And I, I, I don't know what, I don't get it fully, but it is there. So I'm, 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 I'm a restless and a, and a stubborn person, but I can, I can feel sort of like the water lapping up against the rock and slowly smoothing it out. Like Mm -hmm. 
I'm starting to recognize those rhythms a little bit and seeing that in my in my life. And I I genuinely attribute that to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know. Hmm. I think there's a similar I have somewhat of a similar feeling that um I continually just want to sit and absorb, right? Like and 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 I feel that there's this this calling to be present with myself and with the Holy Spirit and it and like letting things wash over me in some way. Um and like taking this it's almost I, I continually want to have a prescribed way to do it, right? Um but so much of this and looking to the wisdom of this is that my solely being in whatever space it is um, one is enough and every time can be something different. They, the, there's a part in here that talks about Lectio Divina and what if, what if, if in my life looking at wisdom was looking at, looking at life, looking at every day, whatever it might be, and seeing something different, right? And something else comes out. Um, I mean, that that could even be a wisdom practice in some mm-hmm. way. Um, and not a, and like and not being afraid of that. Like we think, like we privilege. We put such a premium on consistency in our lives, right? And then when we are inconsistent, we judge ourselves for it. Yeah. And I, it's just funny to me, you know, like, um, there's, there's, um, I was thinking about our friend, uh, back on the West coast who talks about, uh, she runs a church primarily of, of, of white, uh, people, uh, but that they, they share space with an African congregation and experiencing that different culture. And she talked about the difference between, I, I want to get this right. I believe it's um, Molly, polyrhythmic. She talks about different concepts of time and how people experience time. That would probably be, yeah, I think it's polyrhythmic. I mean. And the idea that Western culture tends to be monorhythmic and Af- African culture, and of course, African culture is a large, uh, diverse understandings, different kinds of culture. So I want to be careful not to overly, but African cultures, and well, but so is European and Western culture. Those are all right. diverse in their own ways. That that Western culture tends towards a, a monorhythmic and and African culture tends towards a polyrhythmic. And, the, and, and so, and the best example she gives of that is, is, is in, in sort of predominantly white European settings. If you say something starts at eight, you start at eight. It's like going to the movies. If no one's in the theater and you show up, but it's past the time, the movie has begun. They're not waiting for you. And that, and that, that actually, but, but her point is that's not inherently bad. That's a sign people that that's how people know that trust is built. Trust is built through that sort of consistency. 
um, of we know that when something will start and when something will stop generally. And, and, and we know that that by, we'll all we'll show our respect that way. She talks about in a polyrhythmic culture that the thing, regardless of when the stated time of a thing starts, the thing starts when all of the people who are supposed to be there are there and ends when the decision, when the consensus is made that it's time to end, that that's a difference, a different, and that, and she points out that is also trust because you, if you are, for instance, uh, if you are late to something, but you know it for reasons you cannot control, but you know that it will not start without you, that is a trust building exercise as well. Mm. So it's not that one is trustworthy and one isn't. It's that they both cultivate trust in different ways. Yeah. But so we think about, uh, um, we think, uh, we think that like, that the way to like, that if you, like the thing that you're supposed to do, Annie, is you're supposed to wake up, do your stretches, say your prayers, read your Bible, go downstairs, have coffee, go to the gym, come back, eat the same meal every day or, or something like it, consume a specific amount of calories every day, get a specific amount of sleep every day. And, and, that's, and here's the deal. If you don't do those things, there must be something wrong with you. But the idea could be that today requires certain things from you, which we kind of know. Right. And what if that was okay? And what if living into that was a kind of wisdom? Mm. What if, what if accepting that it's different from day to day and what is right for us today may not be right for us tomorrow. What if the acceptance of that is, is some kind of in, 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 interaction with, with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I, and, and, and it, it doesn't have to be a perfectly constructed and consistent reality. Maybe that would just benefit you and I, if that were true. I don't know. <laughs> right. I'm, I mean, I'm never, I've never thought I'm like all I, disclaimer to listeners. I've never thought about this before, so it could all be wrong. <laughs> But oh my gosh, to think about it is exciting. Well, I think I, I, yeah, I'm still thinking about this idea of observing. Like there's different things that you, that come to you every day. Like that, I'm still like kind of waiting in that. Like this is, that is, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just. That just, yep. it just changes the whole thing for me that yeah. I can be in the space that I am, be who I am as I am. And all I have to do is look at what's in front of me <laughs> and maybe observe what's different. And that's literally, that's literally it. What if that observing was something? Right. I've, I've told you my story about being a chaplain at the hospital before, right? At the like, uh, family in the emergency department. Okay, uh, so okay, so I worked. At, I'll make it brief, believe it or not. So I worked at, I worked as a chaplain at, in Washington Hospital Center, one of two level one trauma units in D, in the D.C. area, which means gunshot wounds, major car accidents, uh, burn victims, seer, like the that stuff. Uh, that's there was two places in D.C. that took them. If you were on the west side of D.C., you went to Georgetown. If you were on the east side, you went to Washington Hospital Center. That's the deal, right? 
and and they would call a code. Oh gosh, I forget now. I think it was orange. But that was for that was for the level one things that were coming in. Okay. To the to what we would call coming into the ER, but it was like the ER of the ER. Okay. So the emergency department, and then there was the level one trauma unit, which was like it was like if you went into the back door, it was like the speakeasy of the of the of the emergency department. They, they're gonna love that that because they're all listening to this. Um, but but every time that one of those was coming in, airlifted or or via ambulance, there was there were people who were paged: a police officer, mm. a social worker. Um, and I forget who else, but, and whoever was the on-call chaplain. And so I was, I was once a week, some around once a week or once every 10 days, uh, for, and I ended up doing it after my, for about a, kind of for about like six months to a year, I was doing that, um, here and there. Um, and, um, and they call you and you, and you suit up and you get down there. And if you're a, and I wasn't even ordained at that point. So it's just like a guy in a tie. And then like, what do they need you for? Right? Like, so I would get down there, bust my butt to get down there. And then I would stand there while they worked on a body that was almost always unconscious and quite oftentimes either dead or dying. They didn't. And, and I, and it took me so much time because for a while I thought, boy, am I useless? Which really rankles me, as you know, the possibility right. that, oh no, that, that I am not value added. Oh no. <laughs> and maybe I still wasn't, but what I came around to was that my job was to be there and to witness that person mm. and to be present. And my only job, I might've had other jobs. So, I mean, Literally, after one young man was declared dead, um, I was the one who met with the family. Mm. So, so there was, it's not like I didn't jump into right, certain. Right, right. In the moment of the actual trauma response, I came to the place where I had the job simply of witnessing the event and that my presence there, what I could do, whether it was for anyone or not, was that in, in Jesus' name, someone was just watching. Mm. And again, I I don't know if that makes if that's value added. Yeah. But I know it's what I did. Right. You were a person who is much more comfortable. Mm -hmm. I think well, I'm simply watching. So I, I, you, you, you telling this story, I, th I've, I've had this thought for some period of time that so much of my ministry is solely holding space and finding some value in that holding space. I mean, and, and I remember when that, that language came to me, um, I don't think I truly understood it, but so much of just being there right? Mm -hmm. Or knowing that you could go somewhere where there was space for you. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like scriptures are a place of where space is being held. Mm. 
There was this podcast that I was just listening to. I can't remember what podcast it was, but it was about a, um, I think a Times uh, reporter, photographer, and they were in the middle of war. And whenever they would get in the plane, she would go with them. And um, there was this one time where she wanted to do this whole story on this this, um, soldier who had died and she photographed the whole thing. And, you know, the, the sergeant or whoever came over and said, you know, you can't use any of those photos um, without permission from the soldier or the family. And you can't reach out to the family um, unless they reach out to you. And so she has this whole, like, this whole kind of story of this of this death of this soldier. And somehow it came that the family ended up reaching out to her and he said something to the effect of i want to know what it was like to be there with my son at that time yeah and like your your story and and kind of thinking to the effect of how much worth is given solely being in the presence of people. So um, so the day we're recording this tomorrow is the anniversary of my dad's death. Mm. Which I always forget. Like, I always forget when it's coming up. Mm-hmm. And then I look at a calendar and I'm like, oh, crap. Um, and I was with him. Mm. Liter- literally, he died in my arms. Lit- lit- not in like a figurative way, like in the very literal way. Right. Um, and... Um, I can genuinely say with every aspect of my being, there is nowhere else I would rather be when he died. I, I, I can't. Right. And the circumstances around that he was living in Maine and I was living in California and he happened to be out visiting that weekend. And like he was not, and he got sick. He wasn't feeling what, what turns out was his, he was going into heart failure. We didn't understand that. Right. He just thought he had a cold or something. And I stayed the night, where he was staying um, so that if anything happened, I was there, but I genuinely didn't think he was dying or I would have taken it more seriously. It was more like just to attend to him and care right, for him because right. I wanted him to be okay. And I was trying to get him to go to the hospital and um, he actually died while getting ready to go to the hospital because I was like, we're going to the hospital. This is dumb. Right. Literally actually how I was being up until like the last thing I think I, he remembered was me yelling at him. So that's great. Um, but, but cause I was like, come on, we gotta get going. Gotta go. We gotta get, the, I've got to get you to the hospital. This is dumb. Right. Right. But, but, um, but all of these circumstances and it was a scheduled trip and he only came out like maybe once a year. I mean, it was very, and the, the things that had to happen for me to be there. And I can tell you with any, with, with utter certainty that if I had not been if I had been anywhere but with him when he died to this day, I don't know how I would have handled that. And there's nothing I could do, Annie. Yeah. But I was with him and I believe in that now. I, I, I believe in that now. Right. And my, and then my, my daughter had surgery last week and what was my biggest bother? I couldn't be there. Look, I am under no illusion that I was going to be of any help to anyone, 
right? They weren't asking me into the operating room, hold this. No. Um, and in fact, when you, when you, when she was born via C-section, you're in the operating room and my main job is to get out of everybody's way. Like, <laughs> don't get right. But like, but like my biggest bother was I just wanted to be in my, and like, I didn't, I wasn't, my heart didn't rest until I was able to go to the hospital and be with her. And I, again, I didn't improve the situation. It wasn't, again, no, Philip Duvall, no value <laughs> added, but for me to be able to be with them, to be with the one I love in that way during that time is huge. Mm. Okay, wait. Okay, so I'm going to keep talking. Sorry, but no, let's, let's, one, like, let's take this one step. Yeah. If we are embodiments of God's wisdom and we find even great value just in being present, as you just said, and holding that space, what if that... It's not just an example of wisdom. What if that is an embodiment of how God shares time with us? Yeah. Like, we're always like, but what is God doing? Well, what if God's just with us? Yeah. I mean. Why do we always expect God to be doing stuff? My goodness. Because we expect ourselves to be doing stuff. That's exactly it. Like, again, we just need to be. Mm. Just be. Yep. yep. <sighs> yeah. Wow. Oh, oh Lord. Lord. You have, you have taught, taught us, us that, that without love, love whatever, whatever we, we do is worth nothing. nothing. Send, Send your Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit and pour into our hearts your greatest gift, which is love, the true bond of peace and of all virtue, without which whoever lives is accounted dead before you. Grant this for the sake of your only Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thank you. My favorite prayer. Thank you. Thank you.